Coming up on the Middle Class VO Podcast. Whether it's social media, whether it's email, whether it's in-person networking, whether it's cold calling, doesn't matter what it is. Whatever one that you do and you enjoy and that you will do consistently, that's the one that's going to give you the ROI. So focus your efforts there. If you need e-learning, we're just an email away. Corporate narration, tell us what to say. Explain our video, imaging radio, slinging local cars, reading IVR. No, we ain't no stars. This is the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. Welcome to the Middle Class VO Podcast. Kevin Kilpatrick in Nashville. Bobby Maxwell is in Cincinnati in the heartland of America. And in the heartland of Canada, it is Mark Scott. Ladies and gentlemen, voice actor, voice acting coach, and voiceover author, Mark Scott. Mark, welcome to the Middle Class VO Podcast. How are you? I have never heard of where I am from as the heartland of Canada. (laughs) Actually, generally speaking, we refer to the county as the armpit of Southern Ontario, but... But the heartland of Canada has such a nice ring to it. I, I'm going to go with that. How, how is the internet? <laughs> Don't talk about the internet. You'll jinx it and we won't get through this episode. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's a ple- you're, you're sounding great. You're coming in loud and clear, Mark. And we're, we're so honored to have you on. And I kind of, uh, I just touched the tip of the iceberg here. Voice actor, voice acting coach, and voiceover author, uh, Mark Scott. Mark, uh, you're, you're one of us. You come from radio. Bobby and I both come from radio. You come from radio. Tell us a little bit about your background, uh, how you started in, you know, when you first started speaking and earning a living with your voice and how you transitioned to voiceover full time. Well, I worked in radio, so I never actually earned a living with my voice because because <laughs> <laughs> so you true. don't do that in radio. So true. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's it's funny. My uh, my dad is getting ready to sell his house. And so last weekend I was at his place and I was in my old office that I had in, in his basement going through all the boxes of all the crap that I've, I've kept over the years so that I could sort through it and throw 90% of it in the dumpster. <laughs> and I actually found my very first offer of employment for radio. Oh my gosh. Which was wow. in 1995. And I remember, I, I remember it so vividly thinking, this is it. Like this, I'm going to be rich. <laughs> I'm going to be famous. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited. I was, uh, I was, I just graduated from high school. Wow. I was debating. I got accepted into a college program for radio. So I was debating whether or not I actually wanted to go to school. And then this offer came and I was like, screw college. I'm going to be rich and famous. And this is going to be amazing. <laughs> right. And I remember sitting in the car opening up this uh, this letter and seeing the salary offer of $16,000 a year and thinking, what the crap is going on? <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, this is supposed to be like, I'm supposed to be making six figures. I work on the radio now. I'm, go- I'm going this to This is show business? Famous. This was $16,000 a year and I was devastated. I was like, you, you got to be kidding me. What show was that? What um, day part? Yeah, was your where's your air slot? I was so I started out doing uh, seven to midnight through the week, and then six to noon on the weekends. But then at that station, and and keep in mind this is this is 1996. This is back before computers. This is when the radio station, the first station that I worked at, we were actually live 24 seven. Like who even remembers yep. that such a thing yeah. actually used to happen, right? Uh, so I used to fill in 
Uh, whenever they needed me to, I would always fill in on afternoon drive. But my main slot was was evenings and weekends for sixteen thousand dollars a year. <sighs> and uh, wow! And now I understand why a lot of radio people live with their parents. <laughs> <That's so true. laughs> exactly. Or on the couch at the radio station. <laughs> so how long did you put up with that sixteen grand salary? Did you stick it out for a while, or did you start going, okay, I got to do something more lucrative than this? So immediately. I worked at that particular station for not quite three years. And then I went, I had an opportunity to, to switch over to television where I thought, okay, well, then I'm really going to be rich and famous <laughs> now because I'm working in television. And this is another story that I will never forget. I actually had a friend that worked for this production company and, and I had talked to him about an idea that I had for a show. And he thought it was a pretty good idea. So he said, I want to take you to meet my boss and, and pitch this show to his boss. So I go to his boss's place, uh, beautiful farm. He's got this cool office up in the upper level of the barn. It was just like the coolest place. And, and I'm pitching him the idea for this show. And he's like, okay. So he said, but but you've got a face for radio. So you're going to do this by voiceover, right? <laughs> and I'm like, that's messed e- up, man. <laughs> one ego shot after the other, right? As if it had insult to injury with my pathetic salary. But that job, I actually doubled my income. So, so okay. that wasn't so bad. Now, the trade-off to double my income, though, was we worked out of the, the Crossroads Center, which people in, in Canada, in Ontario, they will know Crossroads and CTS. It's a TV network up here. But in order for us to be able to use the edit studios, we had to do the night shift. So I actually came to work at 11 o'clock at night, and then I had to work all night until like 8 o'clock in the morning when the main important people came and kicked us out. And so I doubled my salary, but then I also completely destroyed my social life because now I was working all-nighters every night and and often on the weekends as well. So my, my adventures in broadcasting, they've been very vast, but... Nothing sexy and glamorous. Oh man! But you know, in your twenties, making thirty something thousand dollars—that that just sounded like so much money, though, didn't it? Well, and I mean, this is nineteen ninety-eight, right? So you know, thirty grand in nineteen ninety-eight when you're a single guy living at home with your dad. Like, yeah, at that point, now I felt like I was making lots of money, and I have all the financial stupidity to prove it. I mean, I bought a new car every six months and, you know, I, and now everything that I spent that 30 grand on that's sitting in boxes in my dad's basement, you know, 30 years later, I'm throwing it in the dumpster. Oh, so wow. I bet you got a really sweet pair of rollerblades, didn't you? I did have, I did have rollerblades. I, at one point, at one point I had a, a 1986 or sorry, 1985 Pontiac Fiero a 1987 Formula Firebird and a 2001 Monte Carlo SS, all three of them red, shiny, beautiful sports cars, all three of them on the road at the same time. Like I could literally just walk out and choose which car I was going to drive that day. And that's why I'm never going to be able to retire. (laughs) I was going to say, good Lord. Wow. Oh my goodness. So you did radio, then you went to TV for a while, and then was it voiceover after that? Um, working in working in TV, and and when they told me to, that I was doing the show by voiceover, I guess that was the first time that I probably had ever really even familiarized myself with the term. I mean, you do commercials as, as part of your production responsibilities when you work in radio, but you don't think anything of it, right? It's just part of your job mm-hmm. description. And so when I heard this term, you know, we're going to get you to do this show and you're going to do it by voiceover or whatever. Um, that was the point when I was like, okay, well, I, I, what is this voiceover thing? Right. And so I did 
shows. Over the span of a few years, I ended up doing a couple of different shows, working with a couple of different companies, and, and it was all done by voiceover. But I also started getting opportunities because of, at that point, I was a little bit more recognized in my career. The TV show aired across Canada, and it aired um, on a couple of different networks in, in the United States. So I started to get a little bit of recognition. I was not famous by any stretch of the imagination, but I did have people that were starting to reach out to me and, you know, could you do the voice for this commercial for us? Or could you do the voice for this thing for us? There was, I mean, there was internet, but there wasn't really internet at that point. Like nobody was creating explainer videos and corporate narration videos and all this sort of stuff at that point. But so I was kind of doing it, but I, I didn't really fully understand what it was. I would say, when did I really start? Actually, I'm trying to think when I first got on a casting set, I got probably first got on like voice one, two, three, I don't even know, like 2007, maybe somewhere 2008, 2009, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Some, it was in the early, early in, in voice one, two, three mm-hmm. that I actually, somebody, you know, I found out about this, this whole concept of the casting site. And that's when I really started figuring out a little bit more about what voiceover looked at or lo- looked like. And so even at that point, I was just doing it. I was back in radio at that point. So I was doing it to subsidize my income. I still needed to be able to pay my mortgage. I don't know why I kept going back to radio, but, uh, <laughs> but then, uh, I mean, it became the full-time gig for me because true to form, because you have not worked in radio until you've been corporately downsized by the man. That's, that's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. That's part of the rite of passage of working in oh, radio. Yeah. And so, uh, I guess it was 2011 when I finally had my uh, my my downsizing by the man experience, and and that's when I was like, okay, I've been doing this voiceover thing, I've been making some money. Can I figure out how to turn this into a full time job? So that was when I started really diving into it. Wow, that's great. That's very similar to you know kind of what Bobby and I did. We both were you know both in radio and started doing commercials on the side. And then I had the realization one day, it was the same that you just said, Mark, is like, you know what? I bet I could do this full time. And I was witnessing friends of mine, legendary radio personalities, lose their gigs uh, so they could pay somebody a third of what they were making. And then these guys were legends in the market and they didn't want to move. So they're without work. And I'm like, I I don't want to be a 60-year-old DJ that can't get employment. And so that's when I started uh, going, you know what? I bet I could do this voiceover thing full time. Yep. And and keep in mind that when you are coming from radio to transition full time into voiceover, the benchmark is a lot lower because you came from radio. So you <laughs> so weren't true. making any money anyway. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> it, it doesn't take, you don't have to work as hard to replace the income. So it doesn't feel like it's such a nasty transition. I hear about people that are leaving their corporate jobs and I'm thinking, oh, good Lord, you are in for a surprise. Yeah. But coming from radio, it, you know, it really wasn't that hard. I just wish that we had the perks of radio, you know, the free concert tickets and the the free broadcast in, in the Caribbean, stuff like that with VO. Wouldn't that be nice? Free golf. <laughs> All the pizza you yes. could eat, courtesy of the sales yeah. guys and their contra deals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mark, how challenging was it for you to make that transition with respect to performance? Because that's something that to this day I, I still work on and I still have to overcome. And, you know, uh, somebody uh, made the quote, you got to get somebody to beat the radio out of you. How was that transition for you? A penny for your thoughts. You got to get somebody to beat the radio out of you. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've, I've literally said 
it would have been easier for me to transition into voiceover from a career in farming than it would have been <laughs> to transfer from a career in radio. Uh, it's stinking hard. It is. It is really stinking hard. And I didn't even feel like I had a lot of announcer in me because most of the time I was working in adult contemporary radio, which is like genuinely the, the most boring format that you yeah, can no work in next to like there. classical. Right. So it's not even like you're doing top 40 or, or rock radio and you know you're up all the time and you got big energy big voice and all that sort of stuff like I'm literally I, one of the last stations that I worked at was the jewel and like my my entire afternoon drive show was reading 10 second liner cards that said you're listening to the jewel <laughs> and that was like my job and and twice an hour I gave the weather report because this is what the consultant said worked to make really really good radio but even yeah. still, coming from that background, it was so hard for me. And I mean, I've worked with, I've worked with Roy Yokelson, I've worked with J. Michael Collins, I've worked with Dave Walsh, I've worked with Everett Oliver, I've worked with Anne Ganguza, all of them uh, trying to figure out how the heck to kick the radio out of me and just be the normal guy next door type deal. It's because we don't hear it. We don't hear what they're hearing. But yeah, so tough. Mm-hmm. And not to mention the fact that when somebody says, can you can you give me the conversational read? Well, frig, <laughs> ask 100 people what the conversational exactly. read is, and you're going to get 100 different responses as to what the conversational read is. So for the love of cheese, how am I supposed to <laughs> translate that into my reads? It's incredibly difficult. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you get three old radio folks like us having a conversation, and this is how, this is how we right. talk. Oh. I mean, this is it. We're having a conversation. So, yeah, this is kind of a conversational read, but it's all in the eyes of the beholder or the ears of the beholder, as it were. And all of the casting directors listening to us right now are judging us so hardcore <laughs> for being so announcery. <laughs> Bite it! Eat the big one! Did you do your lead-in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Mark, it's good to have you on, and you mentioned some great coaches that you work with, and you are a coach in yourself, and you have become a leader uh, in the marketing side, I do believe, uh, in this whole world of voiceover, how, how did that evolve? So by accident, primarily, um, when I was, so 2011, I lose my radio job. I spend six months sitting around in my apartment in my underwear, feeling sorry for myself, <laughs> trying to figure out what I'm going to do next, only convinced that I'm never going to go back to radio ever again because I was so done with it by that point. And uh, I picked up a book by Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk, for, for anybody that doesn't know Gary, I don't know how that would actually be possible for you to not know of Gary Vaynerchuk, but I picked up this marketing book from Gary Vaynerchuk and, you know, Gary V says, write a blog. And so I'm like, all right, well, if Gary V says, write a blog, I'm going to write a blog. So I started writing this blog and primarily the blog was, here's the stupid thing that I did today and here's how I fixed it. Like literally that kind of unintentionally became the format of the blog. Like here's today's mistake that I made while I was trying to grow my voiceover business. And after a while, after, you know, a couple of years of writing this blog, all of a sudden people started looking at me as, as an authority and people started reaching out and saying, Hey, like, do you do coaching or, you know, can you help me with this or whatever? I never intended it to be that way. I never thought of myself in, in that light, but I think it was 2016 when I finally registered the domain markscottcoaching.com and thought maybe maybe there is an opportunity here. And, and one of the things that I, I did figure out was I come, I operate from the business side of my brain and I have 
attempted to teach myself how to do voiceover. So I am not a creative first. Whereas the vast majority of voice actors that I know, it's the opposite, right? They're creatives first and they struggle really hard thinking from the business side of their brain. And that's the only reason why there's even an opportunity for me because I, I do have something that I can offer them to help them take their creative giftings and, and actually grow it into a business, which is more necessary than ever because, you know, the, just like the glory days of radio were gone, the, the glory days of voiceover where, you know, you were Don LaFontaining it in the back of a limousine because your agent was just sending you from booking to booking to booking. Like that doesn't exist no. really anymore. And so... You have to know how to get out there and find your own work. That's get worthy. So what are the, of, of your students or the people you work with, what would you say are the, the top fears from the talent in self-marketing? What, what do they come back with you saying, but blank, blank, blank? It really is just self-marketing, period. It's, it's this, I don't understand it because from an acting standpoint, Everybody craves credits, right? We we want to we want to have great credits. We want to be able to say I worked with this client or I did this job or I booked this national or you know, we want to be able to build out an IMDb for ourselves. And so in that regard, the the mentality is I I want to be able to talk about myself. But for some reason they can't transition that to the to the marketing side of of selling themselves. And so that is the biggest fear. It's literally just I don't know how to reach out to people and I don't want to do it because I don't want to come across as desperate and I don't want to come across as annoying and I don't want to bother people in that whole thing. And so it it becomes a major choke point, creating a, a failure to launch scenario for anybody trying to market themselves. Mm-hmm. I understand that. How do you overcome that? It's just do it. You, you, it's narrative. So much of it is narrative. And and I mean, the, one of the I, I joke sometimes with my wife that I really need to go back to school to, to study psychology because I feel like the vast majority of my coaching these days is a lot more based on psychology than it is based on actual marketing tactics. So much of what I'm doing is trying to help voice actors shift narratives. And one of the biggest things that I encourage them with is, look, if you're confident in your ability, if you're, if you're confident in the service that you have to offer, why would you not want to tell somebody about it? Like if you know that you could add a narration to a video and more people would watch that video, why would you not want to tell that person that you can do that for them? How many of us have sat through, not even sat, how many of us have suffered through an employee training program at a job in a past life where we're literally beating our head off of the desk because of how bad it is, (laughs) right? We've been there, we've done that. If you have the ability to make that program engaging, and, and prevent concussions, why would you not want to tell somebody about that? And, and so there's this narrative shift that has to take place that, that you recognize, I've got something of value to offer and I can make what they're doing better. So I want to let them know about it. Interesting. Have you seen with uh, your experience, Mark, you know, what you've been doing and how you've been uh, employing these tactics, have you seen a, an ROI in a certain tactic or uh, strategy that you could share with us that you don't mind sharing? The biggest thing is just doing it. it. It really is. It's just doing it and doing it with consistency. And I tell people, if if you want to do email marketing, then you do email marketing and you do it consistently. And, and if you want to do cold calling, if that's what you do well, 
then you do that cold calling and you do it consistently. I would rather be duct taped to a bed of nails and have my chest hairs individually plucked by angry toddlers than, than do cold calling. You just, I don't want to do it. And so I don't, I do, I, I do email marketing, but if somebody's really good at cold calling, then go do cold calling. You know, I, I did a session with somebody earlier today and part of her struggle right now is she absolutely thrives in in-person networking. She's like, I can go to like a chamber meeting and walk away with four new clients. But because I can't do that right now because of COVID and, you know, no large groups and all that sort of stuff, she's like, she's really struggling trying to figure out how to find new clients. And so whether it's social media, whether it's email, whether it's in-person networking, whether it's cold calling, doesn't matter what it is, whatever one that you do and you enjoy and that you will do consistently, that's the one that's going to give you the ROI. So focus your efforts there. There's the facts. I just wanted to interject that if I had a nickel for every time I was duct taped to a bed of nails with my chest hairs being pulled out by a toddler, I'd be I'd be a millionaire. Yeah. I mean, and then I'm we wouldn't have to it. do voiceover. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Mark, I have to take it a step back. For I purchased your playbook a year ago, and I'm embarrassed to say that I've only been through two episodes of it. <laughs> Because I would rather... I can't help you if you don't help I yourself. I know, I know, but I would, <laughs> exactly. rather, I would rather audition. I would rather do workshops than, than open that playbook and listen and learn. And so I I have one more step to get to where what you're talking about right now. So God be with me. <laughs> but you know what? There, there's another great narrative. That's a perfect example of a narrative. I would rather do auditions. And so in your mind, there's this narrative that says that if I'm on a, on a casting site or I'm submitting an audition for an agent, right, that, that's an audition and I would rather be doing mm-hmm. that. The mindset shift that has to take place is every time that you email somebody and invite them to your website to listen to your demos, is that not essentially an audition? Yeah. Light bulb. Right? But it's narrative. <laughs> it's narrative. Yes. Every time somebody hears your voice, if it's cold calling... Every time you're doing a cold call and you've got a potential lead on the phone and you're talking to them, is that not almost like the equivalent of a live audition? Absolutely right. Because they're hearing your voice. Mm-hmm. And so there's a narrative there that, that we, we have this narrative that it only counts if it's a casting side audition or it only counts if it's an agent audition. And my point is every time somebody hears you, every time somebody listens to your demo, regardless of how that happens... It's basically still an audition. Yep. Thank you. Mark, what makes you the most happy about voiceover? Is it performance? Is it uh, working with uh, clients that you're coaching and they get, you know, they're booking gigs and that makes you happy? What is it about the business that makes you the most happy? When I walked out of the, when I was escorted, sorry, when I was escorted out of my last radio station, because, you know, protocols, right? Not like I was throwing chairs and smashing windows, but it's like their protocol. They have to escort you out of the building after they give you the, your walking papers. This is not personal, Mark. No, this it's not personal. Humiliating, but not personal. But I literally said to the program director who was escorting me out of the building, from now on, the only idiot I answer to is me. Yay. Now, that may have been a little personal. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it may have been Good a little for you. personal, Good but, for you. but in the moment, I'd like that's literally how I felt. I was like, I am so sick of this. And that job that I took, what, the reason why I got the job in the first place was in the interview, they asked me, what, what are your career aspirations? And, and for most people, particularly in Ontario, 
the ultimate objective is to get to Toronto, right? That's what everybody in radio wants to do. They want to get to, to one of the stations in Toronto. This was a station in Hamilton, which would probably be the second largest market. And, and I had said, this is it. This is where I wanted to end up. This is the station where I wanted to retire. And so that's what got me the job because they knew that I wasn't just using them as a stepping stone to Toronto. Mm -hmm. And then I started like three weeks before the fall book and the program director and the general manager are like, don't even worry about the book because you're just starting. We understand you will not be judged based on your performance in this book. We're we're not going to even talk about that stuff until the spring. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I come in, I give them number one across the board, like literally number one across the board in every category. I had bigger numbers than the morning show. And a couple of weeks after that book came in, I still got downsized Wow! after I'd only been on the job for a few months, right? I'd only been on the job for a few months. And I'm like, if I can give you number one across the board and still not have job security, this is not something that I want to be a part of anymore. And that's where it started from now on. The only idiot I answer to is me because I literally felt like I was being managed by idiots. If they could not understand Mm -hmm. that you've got a number one talent in your station who wants to stay at your station and that's still not good enough for you. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a part of that. And so that became my motto from now on. The only idiot I answer to is me, which maybe isn't the greatest narrative now, <laughs> but it was all about, no. it was all about freedom and flexibility. I got so tired of finning, finishing a shift at seven o'clock on a Friday night and getting a phone call from the PD saying, by the way, I need you to do the morning show tomorrow. Or the, the one station that I worked at, everybody in the building had been there for like 35 years. And then there was me. And so all of these guys get like six weeks of vacation each. And so for vacation, my boss would come to me on like November 19th on a Friday and be like, okay, you can take next week off for your vacation. (laughs) And stuff like that used to just drive me insane. And, and so really my favorite thing about voiceover is that I make the rules. I work as much as I want or as little as I want. I work seven days a week. I work no days a week. I take the morning off. I work the afternoon. I work the morning. I take the afternoon off. It doesn't matter. I get to decide. And and voiceover has given me the ability to do that, which has made me a happier person. It's made me a better business owner. It's made me a better husband. It's made me a better dad. Awesome. You guys will laugh about this. Um, last week on on Pay to Play, there was an, an audition for a voice tracker for radio. <laughs> and all I saw was the, the, the rate was $750. And it says it was for a, a CHR and um, it would be a four-hour shift. And I, I, I opened it up just because, you know, radio is in my blood. Yeah, curiosity. Yeah. And yep. I just said... <laughs> just like a literal delete. <laughs> I have no desire to go back to that at all. I run a mastermind group every year, and I have somebody in my group this year who I have been trying for the last several years to get her to quit her radio job because she has just stupid potential in voiceover. And I could not, I, I was trying so hard to convince her, like, look, you can literally triple your radio income now. That's how good she was. That's how much potential she wow. she had. And I could not convince her to do it. And then she ended up 
getting the the downsize, you know, mm. the the rite of passage, and finally made that transition. And she's in my mastermind, and I've been working with her. And she sent me a message last week to say that she got offered a radio job, but she said you'll be so proud of me because I turned it down. And I was like, you are so lucky because I would have broke. Every freaking COVID restriction, stay at home <laughs> order. And I would have came to your house and I would have broken down your door and I would have put my foot so far up your rear end <laughs> if you had done it. Oh, wow. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, Mark, uh, tell us uh, about your, uh, we're, we're going to get you, if you don't mind, to do one of our features coming up in just a second. We know you probably got to get going, but um, before we go, we want to get you to do a Nightmare Sessions, which is a regular feature for us where you talk about a session that could not have gone more wrong, uh, if we could get you to be thinking about that. But uh, tell us about your podcast, because we know you have a very successful podcast that you do as well. One of the dumbest things that I've ever done in my life was decided that I could do a podcast. And <laughs> those of you that do podcasts, you appreciate yes. that because it's like, oh, yes. how hard can it be? It's just a 30 minute podcast. No big deal. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the amount of work that goes into the podcast is just crazy. And I, I grossly underestimated it. And I have so much respect for everybody that does podcasts, but it's one of those things that I had been getting asked for years. Why don't you do one? Why don't you do one? Why don't you do one? I'm like, yeah, because the world needs another voiceover podcast. Like I need another hole in my head. <laughs> that was literally how I felt about it. Uh, but but I did finally uh, decide, I guess it's been, I don't think this is my second year now now doing it. And I'm really glad that I did. I'm really glad that I, that I forced myself to do it. it. It has been a lot of fun. And I do try to bring a different perspective than some of the other ones so that it does, you know, create a little bit of a niche for itself. I don't know anything about anything except for the business and marketing side of voiceover. And I don't pretend to know anything about anything except the business and marketing side of voiceover. And so if I just niche down into that particular topic, just stay in my lane, um, I feel like I have a lot of value to offer. And it seems like, you know, response has been pretty good to it. People are enjoying it. And so I, you know, I keep telling people, as long as you keep listening, I'll uh, keep recording. Yep. That's great. And how would, how would people access your podcast? Uh, it is available wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. It's the Everyday Veopreneur <laughs> Podcast. Uh, you can also go onto the website at veopreneur.com and, and every episode is up there on the website as well. Fantastic. Bobby, do you have anything else before we get to nightmare sessions? Oh, with I just Mark? want to say, as a mom, congratulations on your new baby. Oh, Adorable. that's fantastic. I've seen the pictures, but I, I need to ask, how good is your booth sound-wise <laughs> with a new baby in the house? <laughs> do you hear her right now? <laughs> no. We're golden then. Oh, good. Congratulations. <laughs> no, you know what? It's... It, it's been really good. This has been a whole new experience for me. When when my wife and I got married, um, I mean, when we started dating, I guess she had she had two girls who would have been three and eight, I guess. Um, and so I I have never actually done the baby thing. I I'm a 42 year old man that up until three weeks ago, I don't even think I had ever even held a baby. Before. Wow. And so this is uh, this has definitely been a crash course, and it's very interesting now because now I have a newborn an eight-year-old and a 13-year-old. And and the newborn was actually overdue. And my 13-year-old, her birthday was February 5th. And she was freaking right out <laughs> that the baby was going to come on her birthday. And it was going to ruin oh, no. her birthday and ruin her life yep. and the whole <laughs> thing. And so thankfully, uh, Kaylee was born on February 5th fourth at uh, 5 39 in the afternoon so she got it in there just <laughs> under the wire 
but but even still, my wife is the second. Now my newborn is February fourth, and my oldest is February fifth. And I'm like, I barely have a chance to recover from paying off all my Christmas bills, and then I've got a week of birthdays <laughs> every year now. Wow. Oh. oh man. Well, congratulations on that. We're gonna let you go in just a second, but Mark, uh, Bobby, and I have shared several of these nightmare session stories. We've had other guests share their nightmare session stories. Do you have a, a tale or two that you could tell us about a, a nightmare session uh, with while you were the voice actor that maybe could not have gone more wrong? Nightmare Sessions! I was thinking about this because I, I knew you guys were going to bring this up, and I don't do directed sessions almost ever because mm-hmm. of the nature of the work that I do, right? I don't, it's corporate, it's scene learning, nobody wants to sit in and listen through those sessions. And so I don't do, I don't ever do directed sessions. But my nightmare scenario, it's not really a nightmare, but it, it, it I was thinking about it, the, the, the dumbest story that I have to share. At the beginning of COVID, one of my agents reached out to me. This is like March. She's like, I got a session coming up for you. And I wasn't going to Toronto at that point. And so she said, I, I need you to get Source Connect. And so I was like, all right, I'll get Source Connect so I can do this session. So I pay for Source Connect, which you got to remember, I'm in Canada. So I'm paying the rate plus 30% exchange on it to get Source Connect. So mm-hmm. I get Source yeah. Connect for the session. And then we do it. And then the client decides that they're just going to use Source Connect now. So I've now, I've now paid for Source Connect, <laughs> right? No. I, I've now paid for it. You could have got the free one. And, and I could have just used the free one. But then at that, by this point now, it's, it's a little bit later into March or the early part of April. And now all of my agents are saying, you know, you got to have Source Connect if you want to stay on the roster, blah, 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 blah. I've literally been paying for Source Connect for, for 12 months now at Exchange, Canadian Exchange. I have never opened the software oh once. Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> well, and, oh man, yeah, that that is a nightmare. And so I was like, it's not really like a nightmare session, but I was like, man, I feel kind of stupid. But but this is how I justified it in my head. Because for because for work, I do a lot of traveling for doing on the coaching side, right? I go to all the conferences and, and speak at all the conferences and stuff like that. So one of my primary tax write-offs every year is my airfare, my hotels and and meals and rental cars and all that sort of stuff for for uh traveling for conferences. And so because I didn't have that last year, I've I've made myself feel a little bit better about it. I've justified it by like, look, I, I didn't get any airplane tickets last year, so I just need the tax write-off. So now True. I'm literally just giving free money to Source Connect <laughs> for a service that I will probably never use just so that I can have tax a tax write-off. write-off because I couldn't fly anywhere last oh, year. Oh, wow. <laughs> Mark Scott, voice actor, coach, uh, voiceover, business consultant. You can go to Mark Scott Voiceover, and that's Mark with a C, by the way, MarkScottVoiceOver.com. You can go to MarkScottCoaching.com. And uh, Mark, we have a lot of listeners that are beginners or they're kind of, uh, you know, in the middle of their careers and they're, you know, looking to uh, up their game. And so uh, it's quite possible that somebody would be reaching out to you for your services. And we certainly appreciate your time and being on the Middle Class VO podcast. Thank you, guys. This has been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to going back and listening to this afterwards (laughs) because this has been a really fun interview. You made it fun, too. You you guys are doing something good here. Well, we try, man. It was it's the old radio in yeah, us, man. Exactly. We just couldn't get enough, and so that's that was the onus of us doing our podcast, is because we missed radio shows, not the corporate part of radio, but we missed, uh, you know, doing a show. Tom Robert, so yeah. that's kind of why we did this. This would have been nowhere near as fun if we were all conversational. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Bingo. Exactly. <laughs> 
Oh, Mark Scott, thank you so much. And uh, we will uh, look to talk to you again. Let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Thanks, guys. Mark. The Middle Class VO Podcast is a K2 Media Productions production. All views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests. The McVob Jingle was written and produced by Kevin. Co-produced and performed by Chloe Dolandis. Additional engineering by Zach Zimmett. Bobby's Hair and Makeup by Rebecca Adlita. Kevin's Wardrobe by Slippery Pete's Fashion Emporium. All previous episodes are available for download on Podbean. For the Middle Class VO Podcast, I'm Tracy Thibodeau. I'm Lisa Lou Perry. Thanks for listening. And don't miss the next episode of the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast.